I think I lost count. I think you won. Oh. <laughs> I definitely got like well, three, maybe or two, four. Well, you got two of the color, uh, yeah. flavors. I got yeah. two of the flavors. Okay, you guys it's a are tie. <laughs> I'm All happy. Right. You so know they what? Both won. Shot in the dark 2002, guys, and I won it. I'm going to buy a lottery ticket when I go home today. <laughs> so that is all about Taiwan beer. Hope you enjoyed our Taiwan trivia. RTI, exercise for your mind. What's this all about? Why are they doing that? What's going on here? It's Curious John. What is he curious about today? Scientific illustrations. These are the sort of hand-drawn diagrams that appear in old books, and these days as posters on the walls of trendy cafes or home decor shops. Each part of their subject, animal, plant, or stone, is carefully labeled. Or sometimes whole extinct creatures emerge from the page, reimagined in an artist's impression based on fossils and other surviving evidence. It's these lovingly drawn and diagrammed pictures that form the basis of an ongoing exhibit at the National Taiwan Museum's Nanmun branch. Drawing Nature, Taiwan is portrayed in natural history illustrations. The museum's Xiang Lirong joins us today for an overview. Taiwan may be small, but its place in the world of natural history illustrations shouldn't be ignored. Its location, away from the Asian mainland and straddling the tropics, means that many endemic species live here. The waters around Taiwan are vibrant places too. Ms. Yang says that a full tenth of the world's marine species live just off our shores. Our story begins in the 19th century. There were many artistic treatments of Taiwan's wildlife from before that, but these were mostly artistic impressions until the 19th century arrival of Western specialists and amateur natural historians on the island. Ms. Xiang says that these 19th-century Europeans, charged with the ideas of Linnaeus and Darwin, drew and gave scientific names to many Taiwanese species. The oldest scientific illustration with a link to Taiwan we know about was made by the first director of Kew Gardens in London, Sir William Jackson Hooker, 1785 to 1865. His subject was the paper rice plant, which grows commonly in low and middle elevation areas of Taiwan. Ms. Xiang says that this plant had long fascinated Europeans. It was used to make paper, fake flowers, lining for Chinese paintings, and packaging for the imperial Chinese goods Europe bought up, like porcelain. Attempts to send live specimens to British merchants in other Chinese ports failed. The grass simply dried up once it was picked. But an undeterred hooker drew pictures of these dried-up specimens in 1852 and published his scientific findings about this species. This was all during the heyday of the British Empire, and other British explorers also came to document Taiwan's natural history. 
By 1895, they'd identified 1,347 species of vascular plants alone. Among the most famous of these Victorians was the India-born Robert Swinhoe, 1836-1877. Swinhoe served as a British consul on Taiwan during the 1860s, but the way Miss Xiang tells his story, it seems he was more interested in the local wildlife than in his duties. Many of Taiwan's early scientific wildlife drawings are the result of his work, and many samples he collected in Taiwan were sent back to Britain for drawing and given scientific names there. Taiwan's famous Swinho pheasant still bears his name. As all this was going on, Western ideas began percolating into Taiwan's neighbor to the north, Japan. In addition to the classification and collection of wildlife, these ideas included industrialization and colonial empire. Japan took Taiwan as a prize after a war with Imperial China between 1894 and 1895. After that, it was Japanese natural historians, not Western ones, that would document Taiwan's natural wonders in drawing. Among the Japanese scientists who made great strides in Taiwan was Tokuichi Shiraki, who lived from 1882 to 1970. In his work, we can see a mix of personal curiosity and colonial policy. Shiraki was an entomologist, and his work with Taiwanese insects included those that the Japanese colonial government deemed pests. Japan wanted to rid its Taiwan colony of agricultural pests and disease vectors, and it put its scientists to work in figuring out how to do this. One result of this work was Shiraki's illustrated volume on the blood-sucking insects of Taiwan. The subject sounds less than appealing, but somehow the drawings managed to be not just precise, but also beautiful. It's during the colonial period that we also see the first local Taiwanese people getting in on the act. Wang Renli was one of them. He was a talented artist and cataloger who helped his Japanese associates illustrate a guide to Taiwanese trees. Like the guide to blood-sucking insects, this catalog of trees was serious business. During the colonial era, trees could be big business, used for lumber, camphor, and other commercial purposes. So far, we've mostly looked at people who documented plants and animals, but there were plenty of scientists working in other fields who also illustrated the specimens they studied. For instance, there was geology. Taiwan's north and northeast is an area rich in gold and other minerals, and Japan wanted to exploit this richness. So surveyors went out and made geological maps filled with detailed drawings of what parts of Taiwan had what mineral resources. After World War II, Taiwan was Japanese no more, and locals, or those fleeing the Chinese Civil War across the Taiwan Strait, now took over as the only scientific illustrators. Li Zhengling was among the most prominent of these post-war illustrators. He drew 658 wild bird species in a post-war guide that for Taiwanese bird watchers was long a must-have for any expedition. If you think scientific illustrations are a quaint thing of the past, you're wrong. Shen Zheng Han is a prominent figure in contemporary scientific drawing here in Taiwan. He's still a graduate student at National Taiwan University, but his work is already noteworthy. His specialty is paleontology. He can take bone fragments or fossils and turn them into full lifelike drawings. 
One recent work is a drawing of an ancient gray whale brought back to life from a partial fossil discovered under the Taiwan Strait. Gray whales are no longer found there, but based on the evidence of many juvenile gray whale fossils, scientists now believe that the Taiwan Strait was once a nursing ground for these whales. Ms. Xiang says that when people first hear about this exhibit, the first question they usually ask is why we still need people to draw and diagram things the way we used to. After all, don't we have cameras? And it's true, Ms. Xiang says, cameras can do a lot for us. But even high-definition cameras can fail us under certain conditions. Underwater, for instance. And what if we need close-up, non-blurry views of insect and bird parts? Here, careful hand-drawn pictures remain indispensable. Ms. Yang says the goal of this exhibit is to do something different. Usually, she says, when people come into natural history exhibits, what they see are taxidermied models and a lot of text. Here, they can explore natural history through art. The exhibit has four main parts. The first looks at predecessors of scientific drawings, from cave paintings to ancient Greek models through to the works of the German Renaissance master Albrecht Dürer. In the second part, we see actual scientific drawings focused on Taiwan, from local plant and animal species to local geology. In the third section, we have the work of contemporary illustrators, especially of species that are endangered today. And in the fourth and final section, working scientific illustrators are invited to come in on weekends and demonstrate the tools of their trade and the way they work. At the end of the exhibit, visitors are given paper and pen and several specimens of plants and shells to work with. Here, they can try their hand at making their own scientific illustrations. The exhibit runs through the end of May, but most of its run has coincided with the COVID-19 pandemic. That's why the museum has taken pains to make sure that the whole exhibit is digitized, put online for everyone to explore. You can check it out too. Just go to flyingj, that's F-L-Y-I-N-G-J-A-Y, dot M-Y-D-S dot M-E, forward slash 720, forward slash drawing nature, one word, and make sure the D and N are capitalized, forward slash. I'm Curious John, and I'll see you again next week. I was never really fond of gym class when I was a kid. I hated performing under pressure and eventually came to dread it. So the thought of having to do it all over again with my eyes closed sounds like a nightmare. Fortunately, I have some experts to guide me through it. In today's Ear to the Ground, my students at the Taipei School for the Blind bring me on the final part of our tour into their world of sounds, a trip to the gym class. We've arrived in the basement of the school. I was picturing a dark, dungeon-like environment, but for my students, I guess it doesn't really matter how light or dark it is, at least not for the ones who are totally blind. 
One of my students, Wei An, can still remember what it was like to have perfect eyesight. That was before an accident several years ago left him with impaired vision. I ask if he's noticed any improvements in his hearing over the years. He says he has. He tells me he knows when his dad's home from work because from their apartment on the fourth floor, he can hear the sound of the elevator door opening and closing down on the first floor. Once we've arrived in gym class, Wian tells me the rules. Sighted people have to wear a blindfold in order to level out the playing field, he says. He shows me a ball and tells me that it makes a sound. What you have to do is try to get the ball in your opponent's goal, sort of like soccer, but relying on sound rather than sight. Wei'an stands on the other side of the court and throws the ball. I close my eyes to see if I can hear the ball moving towards me. It hits my microphone. I guess it's probably not very smart to close your eyes when you're holding expensive recording equipment. But that adds to the experience, right? Then it's my turn to throw the ball back. I remember being afraid to play dodgeball when I was a kid, even though I could see the ball. I asked my students what they think about the ball. Chowin tells me she doesn't think anything until someone throws it at her. And then she's scared, sort of like me. She dumps out of the way. Off to the side, I can hear my students are playing another type of game. This one has a clearer sound, he says. That's the gym teacher, Mr. Xu. He shows me how to play ping pong by rolling the ball across the table until... The ball flies off the table. But which activity do the students like the best? Rolling ball. My students want to play a game with the teacher. But what is this strange ball? There's still a bit of sound left in this ball, which is larger than a ping-pong ball. It's about the size of a fist. The teacher gets a softer version of the ball so the students won't hurt their hands. They split into teams of three and stand on opposite sides of the table and then begin quickly rolling the ball back and forth, trying to get it in one of the three holes on each side of the table. And of course they have to guard their own holes at the same time. Mr. Xu tells me he enjoys working with the students and seeing them grow. And how long has he been here? More than 20 years. He tells me he ended up teaching here by chance and then realized that it's like a big family, a very warm environment. And there's a tight-knit student body, too. He tells me he had no idea he'd be teaching there for 20 years, but I can understand why. Somehow, at the Taipei School for the Blind, it seems like everybody's in it together. All the students and teachers I met share this sensitivity and this compassion. They aren't as quick to judge as most sighted people are. I was worried at the beginning about how I'd appeal to my students' senses, but I shouldn't have been. It turns out that working in radio meant that I had all the tools that I needed. Teaching here has been like a big, warm embrace. Thank you to all of my wonderful young tour guides for bringing me into your world of sound and for allowing me to be your student. With an ear to the ground, I'm Andrew Ryan.
pull yourself together already. It's time to feast. Sit down at the table with Andrew Ryan and Ellen Chu on Feast Meets West. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the feast. This is Ellen Chu, and I am Ellen Chu's friend. <laughs> <laughs> This is a beautiful way to begin our program in 2021, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and the show is called. It's called Feast Meets West, which is also produced by Andrew Ryan. <laughs> okay. Great. Oh, I'm glad we got all that in there. Right. Last year, I actually started like on my wrong feet, right, saying、yes. you know different things. But she, she said, "Feet me, West." Well, anyway, <laughs> this year I'm getting it right. As long as we correct ourselves, you know, it's okay. It's all about correction, course correction, right? right? You go in the、exactly. wrong direction. You recalibrate. I am not embarrassed at all. <laughs> See, <laughs> she wears her vulnerability on her sleeve, ladies and gentlemen.、Yes. Yes, so、mm-hmm. do I.、Mm-hmm. That's my brand. That's our brand. So we have finally reached the year 2021.、Happy、It's amazing. Happy New Year! Amazing Happy New Year! Yes.、Uh, January second. How do you feel? Two days in. Well, you know, hopefully this year will be a brand new start. But I know that you know coronavirus is not going to be disappearing like anytime soon, right? Yes. But the thing is that you know at least we feel that we passed the worst part of it already. <sighs> Oh, I hope so, Ellen Chu. I hope those aren't famous last words. I know. <laughs> Are you more hopeful or more nervous about this year? I think I'm more hopeful. More hopeful.、Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. You're well, nervous. Oh,、uh, always. Really? Why are you nervous? <laughs> chill. That's my personality. Okay. <laughs> And I'm always a chill one, right? Yeah. Chill. The Ellen Chill. Right. That's why we host together. Exactly. If we're both like very jittery and nervous, oh my! I think you know we'll just end it like after one year. Well, today because it's the first episode of 2021.、Mm-hmm. We are going to be talking about palate cleansers. We have never talked about palate cleansers. Really? I don't think we've ever done a palate cleanser. No, we've never. Because for us, the foods that we introduce have always been like the main character.、Mm-hmm. They haven't been the、uh, little side act、mm-hmm. that、uh, that makes way for the next act. Good. So、yeah. we'll do some palate cleanser. Yes. Okay. So just a little quick look at what a palate cleanser is.、Mm-hmm. It's a neutral flavored food、mm-hmm. or drink.、Mm-hmm. It removes food residue from your tongue. It allows you to more accurately assess a new flavor. Uh huh. And it's often used when、uh, tasting wine or cheese. So you know, if you're not a foodie, it's okay. If you're a techie, it's just pressing the reset manufacturer button. Wow, I like <laughs> that, Ellen Chu. This、right. whole show is going to be a reset. Right. I love that. You love it. I love it. See, that's why you have me. I know. Always. Yeah, always. Always, Ellen Chu. It's going to be bland without me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd be just like one constant、uh, palate cleanser <laughs> waiting for the next. Stella and Chew to arrive. Okay, yeah. So, quick look at what some palate、uh, cleansers include: sorbets, bread, apple slices, banana pickles. Pickles are? Yeah. Also, tart or citrus flavors are used as a cleanser, like braised pineapple or grapefruit. How about coffee? Is it? I know that they do that when you're、um, doing perfumes, right? right? They have you smell、uh-huh. coffee or taste coffee. So I'm wondering. Maybe. 
So like I'm. Pa- I don't like the answer. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I like to be precise. I'll have my scientists look into it. All How's right. that? Thank you. Um, but the most interesting thing on our list of things is pickled ginger, which is used as a palate cleanser between sushi pieces. It's true because, uh, yeah. When you go to Japanese restaurant, you eat those pickled gingers, the white one, and yeah. then they reset your palate. It's like every time you try a new piece of fish, you need to have a piece of ginger. What's interesting is I was looking for a Chinese palate cleanser, and I don't think there's any palate cleansers in Chinese cuisine. Chinese people just like complicated, layered flavors. Right? I mean, I think it's all about just eating everything at the same Let time. Let me think. Let me think. Um, Do you want some thinking music? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's the exact song I was thinking of. Let me think. What's your answer? Okay, my answer would be ginger. You have to form it in the face of a question. Oh, what is ginger? Ginger in Chinese food is a palate cleanser. Really? Because, you know, when you have the dumpling, like, you know, when you have shalong bao, you have vinegar. I'm shaking my head. And also ginger. I appreciate your attempt at that, but I don't think that uh, you have a case. And the reason is, is because I think it's used as an additional flavor on top of it. Not as a palate cleanser. I think so, because it's too greasy. That's why they need it to chew the yoni. But you don't need it between. You eat it like at the same time. It's like on top of it. Okay. But, you know, we just like to put it together on top of it. That's <laughs> okay? right. That's more you Chinese, eat it, right? And then, you know, you cleanse your palate all three in one. <laughs> <laughs> That's why Taiwanese people like three in one. It's very efficient. Right? Yes. Like shampoo. Three in one. Coffee. Three in one. Cereals. Three, three in one. Wait, three in one. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With like right? the, the mixed oats and like right. hot water. Yeah. Three in ones. Still not a power And next time, we should do three and one. (laughs) A whole show on three and one. A whole show on three and one. That's not exactly like cuisine with a story, though. (laughs) The story is, why do Taiwanese people like three and ones? (laughs) I think we should uh, fast forward into our menu and see what's going to be on our show. Our palate cleanser. In our first course, Andrew heads into our Feast Meets West test kitchen to make a pickled ginger palate cleanser. That's right. In our second course, we're going to cleanse our palates. And we're also going to talk about some of the most popular searches people did about the coming year 2021. Ooh, in our third and final course, our New Year's resolution. How did we do the past year? Yep, and what are our resolutions for the coming year? What is it? All righty. So you said restart at the beginning of the show. Reset. We actually have a restart button song. Ooh. Did you say reset or restart? I said, you know, it's a reset and restart our life. Okay. okay. So this is by Sam Smith. All right. When we come back in just a moment, we're heading into the test kitchen. Let's do it. It was a Monday night when you told me it was over
first course. We are back now on the first course of today's Feast Meets West, and I am making a palate cleanser. Although this is probably not something you would typically call a palate cleanser, this is a pickled ginger, and it's gonna be super spicy. Uh, maybe we could just say it's a coarse redirection rather than a palate cleanser. Because <laughs> this might leave a little bit of a spicy taste in your mouth. Now, reportedly, the reason why they serve ginger with sashimi and sushi is so that you can use it as sort of a palate cleanser before you move on to the next piece. Now, usually when you make pickled ginger, you uh, salt up thinly sliced fresh young ginger. I'm just actually slicing mine up right now. Uh, you can hear I'm just using a vegetable peeler to make it nice and thin. And this is super young too. Uh, that's gonna give it a little bit of a lighter taste than the older ginger, which is much spicier. Now, usually you would salt this and set it aside for about 30 minutes just to uh, get the pickling process started to soften it up, maybe reduce the um, kick of it a little bit. However, I am using a recipe that does not call for salt. Uh, it's a faster recipe, so maybe this will be a big mistake. <laughs> The next thing you do is you usually make your brining liquids um, as you would anytime you're pickling something. So some sort of uh, combination of vinegars and maybe a little bit of salt, um, some different flavoring agents, maybe some shiso leaves if you want your ginger to look pink like they do in restaurants, uh, things like that. And then you would boil that and then pour it over the top of the ginger and put it in a glass container and put it in the fridge. And of course, you can also can it as well, um, but that's a very uh, technical process uh, that I'm not gonna guide you through. If you do not can it properly, then you can just keep it in the fridge uh, for a couple weeks. If you wanna keep it outside of the fridge, then you have to actually go through the sterilization process, but I'm not gonna teach you that. So, what we are doing today is we are going to blanch the ginger instead of putting it in the salt and then we're going to pour the uncooked vinegar over the top. So uh, I am just uh, getting my hot water ready, two cups of hot water on the stove, and I'm just dropping my slices of ginger in there. I'm gonna cook them for about two minutes, just pretty quickly, just to soften them up a little bit and take a little bit of the kick away. And now I'm just uh, mixing together my vinegars. So what I have here is half a cup of uh, fruit vinegars. I'm actually using a chili pepper vinegar and a pigeon pea vinegar. Uh, and then the other half cup is going to be rice wine vinegar. So basically you wanna do one to one, one cup of vinegar to one cup of ginger. And now for a sweetening agent, I'm gonna do something a little bit different. I'm gonna use maple syrup. You can also use honey. The traditional recipes, of course, call for white sugar. So now I'm just taking the uh, ginger slices off the stove and I'm going to drain them. And uh, now I'm just tossing them into the vinegar. Uh, and I think this is gonna be super spicy. It's gonna be super tart. Um, probably a little bit more than Ellen she was used to. So again, this is not exactly a palate cleanser. It's more of a coarse redirection, which I think may be just the metaphor we need for 2021. Let's get rid of the taste of 2020 and move in an entirely different direction with a little bit of 
spice, a little bit of flair, a little bit of kick. Second course. All right, so I've just served up Alan Chu a little bit of Ooh. pickled ginger, and love she's uh, crying. I love it. <laughs> Do you? It's not too spicy. No. That's a little bit more spicier than the ones that we have in Japanese restaurants. Uh, yeah. It's, uh... Because the ones you in... use Laojiang, right? No, I use Senjiang. You I use, use the, the Nenjiang, right? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. The younger one. I did use the younger one, but I think a lot of times for the restaurants, they tend to salt it and let it sit there for a long time oh. so that it gets rid of the really spicy okay. flavor. But it's nice. And I decided to leave the spicy flavor. I like the kick. Okay. A little kick. It's got a bit of a. So you mean spiciness. this is this is like a uh, tongue freshener? A tongue freshener. Ooh. So you can see by the end of the show, are you ready f- to eat some sushi? Yes, I am ready to eat some sushi. Give me some mackerel. Give me some salmon. Give me some. Uh, toro. Why do you think ginger works with sushi or like s- seafood in particular? Well, um. I guess because it gets away the fishy. The fishiness? Yeah. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think uh, a lot of times when you, yeah, when you really try those, and then it brings out the sweet taste. Mm, Of the fish. Right. And also, like, after you eat ginger, your palate is kind of like sweet. Mm, Just like mild sweetness. Yeah. A little bit spiciness. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I think maybe that they just balance each other out, yeah? I think so. Yeah, mm. it cuts right through it. A lot of people also say that it kills a lot of the... Bacteria. Right. Ooh, that's good to know. Mm-hmm. So maybe we should be eating more ginger for that reason. I think so. So uh, we did a little search uh, to see what people are searching for on the internet for about the year 2021. Mm-hmm. And we have a list of things here. Mm-hmm. So I did the search, will 2021, to see how that it would complete the sentence. Mm. So will house prices drop in 2021? Well, I guess in Taiwan, no. <sighs> Housing market crash, no. 401k limits increase. Right. So I think people are worried a lot about uh, monetary things. And ski resorts. Well, we're not going to have that happening, I guess. It says, will ski resorts open? Right. Gold yeah. price decrease? Hard to say what's going to happen. Yeah, I guess, you know, people are asking, like, will U.S. dollar come back? Oh, my goodness. Or drop? Oh, my goodness. Yes. Will wedding happen? There are some weddings taking place in Taiwan. Some in Taiwan. Taiwan is a little bit easier to hold events like this. Right, because I'm attending one this weekend. Are you? Uh Uh-huh. And will 2021 be better? That's a hard one to answer. Right. And 2021, will it be boards be easy? I think people are very interested in exams and their boards Mm -hmm. and things like that. Yeah. SAT, is it going to be canceled? (laughs) (laughs) Also, Uh, will it be a better year than 2020? Who knows? I know. Be a good year. Will 2021 be normal? Mm. Oh, my goodness. Will 2021 boards be postponed? Mm, I think... I think people are most interested in knowing whether life is going to be the same this year as it was or if it's going to be better. Do we need to stock up a mask? So many questions. I know. So many Mm. questions and so few answers. So I think it's all really just about us learning to live with the kind of the uncertainty of the moment, right? Right. All right. So we're going to go into another song. Okay. 
Uh, and when we come back in our third course, we'll be looking at the uh, New Year's resolutions we made for last year and see whether or not we did a good job with them. We'll be making some for the coming year, 2021. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. Do you know what you're going to say already? Don't tell me. Let me see. <laughs> okay. Okay. One more song to think about it. Okay. So this song is called Chen Xin De Wo, A Brand New Me. And this is by Kong Chen Yu. Watch for it to come when the feast continues. Listening to Feast Meets West. Third course. Okay, third Ooh. course. Yes, third course. Let's Are, do it. You ready to review what you said you were going to do last year and find out whether you did it or not? Okay, All ready. Right. Okay, so these are the resolutions that we made for the year 2020, exactly one year ago, in our first program from last year. We're going to start with you, Ms. Chu, okay. and have a little listen. Actually, I'm really looking forward to live my life to full and more think about myself a little bit more, you know, because, you know, I lost a friend. Mm. And, you know, he's young mm -hmm. and it, it just happened accidentally. And then he, he just went on a show and he died. Mm, he was only 35. 35 years old. But that really, you know, knocks something into our head. You know, feeling that mm. we should not be worrying about, you know, things that's going to happen a month later or two months later or, you know, planning our life like, you know, a year ahead. Mm. And, you know... We should really cherish what we have right now. Live in the and, moment. Right. Live in the moment and do what you really want to do. If you have a thought of doing something, just go and do it. Mm. You know, stop thinking and being like, you know, so careful and being controlled in life. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes we just have to let loose and say that, hey, this is what I'm going to do. What do you want to do, Alan Chu? What I want to do, mm. I want to actually work less <laughs> and really be able to have some of my time, my mm. own time. So, therefore, I think, you know, next time if some girlfriend asks me, hey, you want to go to Japan or go to Korea without kids and husband? Do it. I would say yes. Absolutely. I would try to arrange my kids. I love it. 
Yeah. I love it, Ellen Chu. And Just I think pick this up and is go. really important, especially for moms right. or right. people with kids. Yes. You know, people who have families. Right. It's easier for people me- like me to do that. But even though, like, I'm single, I still replace the family with work, right? Right. So it's You're still hard. You're married to work. It's still hard for me to do that. You're married to work. And I have married myself to several work, you know, <laughs> which is like really difficult. But, yeah. you know, this year I really want to clear out the things that, you know, I think it's it's problem for me. Mm. You know, I really want to just cut every problem out and try to live my life to the fullest. I love it, Ellen Chu. I think I met several of them. Like, you know, um, work less. I think we were forced to work less in the beginning of the year. (laughs) But, you know, having, being able to travel with my girlfriends, I think, you know, it was quite impossible. But I did manage to have time to hang out with my girlfriends, like, you know, doing the Christmas wreath and also having like special Thanksgiving lunch times, you know, lunch days with my girlfriends, you know. I did do that. And, well, last year, actually, I lost not only one friend. After that resolution, I think I lost two or three other friends, you know, all in one year. And it just made me think that there are so much things that, you know, we worry about, which are just not problem at all, you know. And we can just keep ourselves healthy and Basically, cherish the people who are around you and who cherishes you, too. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's interesting listening to this now, like after... Because when we made these resolutions, we had no idea that the pandemic would come, right? Right. Well, you know, I think thinking back, I think my friend who died at that moment was actually, you know, suspicious of having COVID. Really? Uh-huh. Even his family, I think, kind of suspected it afterwards, too. Really? Because the pandemic was already going on in China, and he was working mostly in China. So, you know, with his condition as a young person going on a show, and his lungs just collapsed. He was in a remote part of China, too, right? Wuhan. He was in Wuhan. He was in Wuhan for working. You know, he oh, he's wow. an actor. So he worked there for a long period of wow, time. Wow, wow, wow. I didn't realize that. At that moment, everybody didn't realize. Everybody was just shocked that, you know, a healthy young guy, you know, mm. and at the peak of his career, just kind of like, bang, went down, right? Yeah. So nobody knew why. And then even the doctors were kind of just saying that it was just, you know, one out of a million chance that he would, you know, die like that because there was no yeah. reasoning. Hmm. But later, you know, with all his conditions, and we kind of matched it up and thought that it could have been, been coronavirus because he had he was sick. He thought it was a cold. He yep. was taking medication. And he went uh, because... You know, with coronavirus, it attacks your respiratory system. Mm. So his respiratory system collapsed while he was doing this vigorous, intensive, you know, competition. Mm. So now thinking back, it could have been. It's interesting. You say uh, doctors say it was like one in a million chance. Turns Mm -hmm. out maybe he was one of a million people who have died of coronavirus. I know. So. Wow. 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 I know. All right, uh, time for me to face the music. Let's have a listen to my resolution from last year. Uh, Mine is going to be 
Watch more Netflix. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Hey, I want that too. I haven't been watching my Netflix. I have my box and everything set up. (laughs) I figure after all these years of making resolutions I can't stick to, why not do what I'm going to (laughs) meet? Okay. All right. Next year, when I hear this, I'm probably going to laugh. I'm like, did I really say that? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I'm going to check which shows you watch. Okay. Okay. So there you go. Did you fulfill it? I, ladies and gentlemen, for the first time since we started recording the show, I fulfilled my New Year's resolution. What did you watch? I watched a ton of Netflix. I watched The Crown. Um, I watched Big Mouth, Gilmore Girls. <laughs> I watched Netflix too, but I was uh, mainly catching up with all my Korean and uh, China soap opera. On and Netflix, recently, yeah. I've just been watching The Sanctuary. Oh, okay. Thirty something. Yeah, is that also a, a Chinese? It's a China China soap opera, uh-huh. and I find it quite interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Not bad. One of the other thing I watched was Queen's Gambit, which I would highly recommend. Oh, yeah. Okay. So now it's time to turn to what is your New Year's resolution for the year twenty twenty one. Well, you know, 2021, I am actually rested up with, thanks to coronavirus, you know, for the first half of the year, I think, you know, I basically spent a lot of time with my kids and home because nobody had work. Mm -hmm. But, you know, for the second half, my work started to kick back and I've been starting my job as college consultant. Wow. I'm taking up all the applications myself and I'm like, you know, trying to get into the the mode of application. Mm -hmm. And I find it very challenging and interesting, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, you need to put in a lot of effort and time working with these kids, Mm -hmm. but... You know, the rewarding part is not monetary. The rewarding part is that it helped me dig into my deeper values of myself. Ooh, I like that, Ellen Chu. You know, I would like to invite you, maybe one 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 case. You know, you mm-hmm. should try it. You know, you're sitting down with a kid, helping them with their college essay. Mm-hmm. It really brings you back. To the moment that you were applying. No, my goodness. I don't and know if I want to relive that. No, no, no. <laughs> and then you're helping. You're kind of like a hip, hypnotist. Uh-huh. You're trying to help the child to dig into their true value and what they really want. Mm. It's so interesting. I think, you know, this path, it's, it's, it's something mesmerizing for me. Actually, it's a lot of work, you know, mm. and, but I really enjoy it. So what's your resolution for this year, Alan Chu? Resolution for me, well, you know, I want to watch more Netflix like you, but... (laughs) You can't steal mine. No. For me, I think I really want to um, better myself in in this part of my college consulting, you know, position. I want to really let the people in the business understand it's not just looking through essays and, you know, just polishing up their grammar... But really digging into it and, you know, helping the child to write the essay that represents him or her. That's great, Ellen Chu. Yeah. That's a great skill for you. And it's also great for the students because it's not just about getting into the school of your choice. It's about learning who you are. Exactly. And I think, you know, uh, it's not about getting into Harvard or Yale. But, you know, once they find the true them Mm. and their value and what they want, I think they're going to succeed in the future. 
All righty. Excellent. Okay. That's a great resolution. Wow. It's powerful, mm. huh? Powerful. Wow. I'm proud of myself. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? Oh, for my resolution for 2021, um, I uh, resolve... KK Fox TV. <laughs> no. Stop it with the TV. So in 2020, I read two books, mm. which is more than I read in the entire 2019 this is something, reading books is something that I really enjoy too. You mm-hmm. know, I bought so many books. It's all like, you know, bookmarked. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I started to read them, but yeah, I haven't really had the time to really sit down and like finish it. Well, that's the thing. I feel like uh, I have a hard time concentrating because of the cell phone and because of work and because of just social media. Mm-hmm. So I would like to have more time to concentrate And I would like to be able to actually sit down and enjoy a book the way I used to be able to enjoy a book. Excellent. So 2021 for me is the year of the reading. You know, I think this year is the best resolution for both of us. Mm -hmm. I mean, for before, it's like cleaning my house, (laughs) painting my room, and, you know, things like that. But, you know, I think this year we really had something more solid mm-hmm. and something to aim for. And something that's achievable too. Exactly. I hope. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> we will. We will. Yeah. We will. Think positive. Positive energy. Yes. Yes. So there you have it. What is your resolution? We'd love to hear from you. Wouldn't we, Ellen Chu? Even though maybe you haven't really, you know, achieved your resolution from last year make it again yeah do it again don't give up yeah you know i think you will like us find something really solid and for you to really make it a proud resolution for yourself and if not if you have problems with it just tattoo it to your forehead or you know just say like what watch more netflix yeah exactly (laughs) it's a wonderful goal yes it's reachable it's time for yourself right yes all right, so those addresses? Our address is PO Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan, and email us at androo at rti.org.tw. All righty, one final song today. Okay, and it's called Brand New Day. That's right, by Codaline. For Peace and Sustain, I'm Andrew Ryan. This is Ellen Chu. See you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International. 
broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw. Our 60-minute English program can be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6185 kHz. In South Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199 Taipei, Taiwan. You can also email us at rti at rti.org.tw.